Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. So we're going to start today with a listener email question. Um, it was actually a two-part question. Part of it had to do with uh, some parenting and dealing with in-laws, and we'll probably get to that next week. But the where I wanted to start this week is a question that a listener who goes by the handle of Dr. Gnome had for us with regards to union negotiations apparently the union where he works is in the process of renegotiating contracts and um, it's kind of curious and he he is curious as to how the union might in fact deal with rising uh, salaries and pay for incoming new hires compared to that which existing employees already get paid and whether or not the union will take the time to make sure that um, as bonuses and uh, increasing wages for new hires go up that um, uh, wages for existing people will in fact go up accordingly. Now, I will say that my own past experience with unions and the past experience I have is with the Teamsters uh, is that when a union gets big enough that it starts to serve itself more than the actual members of the union. Um, But, uh, Sean, I'm going to throw you the soapbox. I've been on both ends of that stick. Uh, I've been the hiring manager. I am currently a hiring manager. I've been the guy on the low low end of it. Um, been the guy in the middle. The companies, because companies are run by people, uh, perhaps in some cases bad people or crappy people or people who don't uh, care or whatever. Actually, I'm going to interrupt some... you and throw one other thing in there because there's another unique perspective that comes with working in a union environment than in a lot of other environments. A union environment is the only environment where everybody really knows what everybody else is getting paid. Yeah, there's there's that too. Uh, when, you, when you're working in a non-union environment, it is generally considered to be against company policy or just flat out uncouth to discuss what you get paid with anybody else. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's not the same in a union job or whatever. And it's – the problem is unions can be – wildly effective means for change and uh, the natural response to corporations running away with themselves. Uh, The problem is when anything gets large enough to be effective, it can also kind of lose sight of what it's actually there for, which a lot of, and I think in some cases unions actually wind up doing. And and that is, and I will say that is my personal experience with unions is that's what they've done. They've started more to serve the function of the union itself than to support and benefit the union members. If it's benefiting the union members, if that's what they're there for and still accomplishing, that is, that is a wonderful concept. Um, But, Um, 
but you, when you the moment something becomes a bureaucratic organization, it, it tends yeah. to fall away from that. Yeah, and it can be it, it can be really kind of weird, and it's uh, a perfect or a perfect um, side of that is uh, the uh, the hostess thing. Couple of years ago, maybe ten years ago, or something like that. Remember when Hostess was trying to uh, negotiate with their workers and everything, and they were trying to negotiate with the union, and they just couldn't come to terms because. And they, the last offer they had, uh, the union rejected it, and even the the workers went, actually, would have taken that. That's fine. Why don't we do that? And the union was like, No, we're not taking it. And Hostess folded, <laughs> and you couldn't buy Twinkies for, <laughs> for about six months to a year. Um, that's that was a case and it was of snowballs everywhere. Yeah, you know, it was, and that was a case of the union not actually listening. They were just trying to bilk management for more, and hostess is saying, "We don't have any more. There is no more to give you. We're going to fold." And the union, honestly, the union higher up union reps honestly thought, "We're going to call your bluff because we're the union and we know you have more money." And that was a case. Even the people listed, they didn't listen to the people. They didn't listen to the company. They didn't listen to anything. They just said, "We know best. We're the union." It failed. It totally failed. Um, that's not to say that a lot of unions don't protect their employees from unscrupulous business practices. Yes, I, I think that happens too. The my problem, I guess, is and and to answer your original question, um, the current employees always get screwed. They always get screwed. They don't have to tell you, They don't have to think about you. They already got you. They don't have to think about you until you leave. And threatening to leave doesn't do anything. It well, just doesn't. It, it's it's almost like the cell phone and cable companies. The the new people coming in always get the best deal. Because we got those other people. Yes. Now. The, you become a priority when you actually do – after you cancel and make arrangements for and get something else, then it's all sweetness and sugar. Oh, come back. Oh, we'll give you this deal. Like, where was this deal when I asked you for this deal? Oh, well, you didn't get that deal because you already had another deal. Yeah, now, but that deal sucked. You know. Now, what makes this an interesting time for that kind of thing, though, is that we do have a labor shortage for once in a very long time. We haven't had that in a while. It used to very well be, oh, you, you, you want to quit? Good luck finding another job. Honestly, I, I think that's the wrong term for it. And I know that it's what everybody's calling it, but it's not a labor shortage. Um, there's plenty of people out there who are willing to do jobs. There's plenty of people out there who are willing to work. What we have is a shortage of companies who are unwilling or unable to meet the current market rate. And it has not gone up for years. We have had the longest uh, hold between minimum wage increases since it started. And... For the first time ever, and I think this is, uh, at least in recent memory, since you and I have been alive, for the first time ever, an entire generation and a half of people, uh, maybe a little bit of Gen X, all of the millennials and maybe a chunk of the Gen, and Gen Z, are looking at things going, that's the way it's always been, but we've just got off living two years differently why do I have to go back for to that 
and not and just be miserable like I was before when I don't have to right now or anymore. And a lot of people, and I know there's a lot of people who like to blame, uh, uh, oh, they got stimulus, so they're you know they're just holding out and running on 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 unemployment. That may have been true for a couple of months. It's not true now. Well, um, whether, whether you bring the unions into it or or not, what you're talking about and what's going on, and it is more of a meta concept than it's something very, very specific to each individual person, which is there is a societal negotiation going on right now. Yeah. And is, for the first time ever, companies are on almost, not quite, but almost a level playing field as the workers. And they don't like that at all. Yes. Um, now, he, here comes the, the part that gets a little bit goofy and is that part of what you've got people asking for is cost of living increase because the cost of living is going up uh, without question. Unfortunately, Jake, that can't be. Uncle Joe said that wouldn't happen. Uncle Joe doesn't know what day of the fucking week <laughs> it is. He said there's no going to be no inflation. And then he got on TV the other day and said inflation is our biggest concern. Okay. Um, actually, personally, I think this is exactly why they are saying that math is racist, so that you don't know how to do math to figure it out that they're full of shit. Um, here, here's one of my favorite ones recently. Um, they came out recently and said that there was going to have to be a increase in the premiums and costs of Medicare to the actual, uh, those of us who pay taxes. Uh, now, first of all, they did promise us, Uncle Joe promised us that nobody who makes less than $400,000 a year was going to get a tax increase. But here we go. So they're going to increase Medicare taxes. However, they said that this was not a big deal because there was going to be a 5% cost of living increase on Social Security. However, once again, going back to just pure logic, they're not the ones really paying the Medicare taxes. Those of us who are not on Social Security are. However, going back to the whole math thing, they're doing a 5% cost of living increase for Social Security. However, inflation is at 6.5%. Look, if you're going to bring numbers into this, it's never going to work out, man. It's like you can't bring logic and reason into this kind of argument. Well, I mean, but but here it is, and I, and I and I say this, and I know somewhere along the line somebody's going to roll their eyes at me, but I, I say this just because, and it's going to go into our later discussion as well. Um, it, it, looking at something logically and mathematically and all of this just immediately gets you called a white supremacist these days. And I'm not being facetious, eye-rolling, or shitty about it. I have proof. <laughs> you know, in, in what's what's real, and I think you're you're pretty pretty on on the nose on this on on some of this that we are going through a kind of cultural and and structural negotiation as to how our society is going to start rolling here in the next, you know, 5, 10, 20 oh, years. But, but where I was going with all of this is part of the – as much as a lot of people would like to blame the inflation on Uncle Joe, and I'm actually going to give Uncle Joe a little bit of a benefit of the doubt here. here. 
part of what's going on is because people are, require, are requiring more wages, the cost of doing business is going up, therefore the cost of living is going up. It doesn't help that we are stuck coming off and on and off and on again the worst pandemic that the world has known in the last hundred years. Well, not not according to Dr. Nob's grandparents or in-laws. <laughs> it also doesn't help that the rest of the world is struggling with how to do it. Everything from Austria just locking everything down in a kind of totalitarian nightmarish fuel type thing situation to other countries who are just like, yeah, we've decided we're going to live with it and suck it. You know, uh, there's there's all kinds of ranges. China's just who is the backbone of the supply chain, at least to the United States, is having their own internal problems. They're having a combined uh, issue of um, the worst real estate boom since the United States and or worst real estate crash uh, since the United States in 2008 is almost completely underway uh, in China. The uh, the supply chain and the factories and stuff are having electricity problems and can't even produce enough electricity to stay on. So stuff is getting delayed. We have port problems. We have harbor problems. We have trucking problems. We have gas problems. We have all kinds of these supply chain issues. And on top of that, uh, we have a artificially inflated and fueled class and race war going on in the United States, both digitally and in person. Now, when you put all those things together, uh, it is really difficult to find the actual uh, cause for some of the issues that are going on here. Because when you try and point at any one thing, whether it be unionization, whether it be corporational greed, whether it be uh, worker laziness, worker rights, worker pay, you know, uh, supply chain issues, uh, inflation, any any of that, uh, healthcare, whatever it is. The minute you try and pin one of them down, it just spiders out into all these other subjects. And it's really difficult to deal with because every one of those buttons is a hot button for whoever the hell it is you're talking to. Like one of those things is going to set somebody off. So it like how the hell do we even start addressing all of this? When well, it, we can't even sit in the same room with each other most of the time. Well, and it's um. It's a vicious cycle of polarization that's feeding on itself to the point where it's making it worse. You know, human beings are becoming more polarized. By Then you have the media who, in order to get human beings to pay attention, whether it's social media or the uh, news media, are having to be more and more extreme. And in the process oh, yeah, of them being it more so much worse. worse. That, yeah. Well, it, it, but, but even then, I mean... As much as I hate them and want to blame them, they're doing what they need to do in order to get people to watch. And in the process of that, then you now have politicians who, in order to get their verses heard, need to become more and more extreme, which is then turning around feeding the media again, which is more and more extreme, which is then turning around feeding the John Q. public more and more extreme. 
and it's a vicious cycle that is just feeding on each other, leading towards a critical mass. Something will have to get to 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 answer your question, uh, Doctor No. Uh, something will have to give. I don't know where that's going to start though, because wherever the linchpin on that particular grenade is pulled, it's it's going to look different, right? If it starts in I don't know uh, healthcare, you're just going to see a total and complete collapse of public healthcare. If it starts in um, you know, uh, 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 like a race war, you're going to see a collapse of the country, right? Because the government isn't going to be able to stand that because they've created it, and now the snake will go eat its own tail. Uh, if it starts in finance, you'll see corporations collapse at at light speed, and it'll wind up being uh, really either a, a dark age type thing uh, as far as uh, corporations go – or it'll be a totalitarian rescue where the government will just own everything and it will will wind up being a socialist state. One like any any angle you look at it is the outcome's different but the the turbulence is the same. And I I just don't know what's going to bust loose first. I really don't. It's not that there's not hope, of course there is, but if any one of those things gets taken too far and there's just enough of a spark I, I don't think the country right now has the wherewithal to fend that off. And I, I don't know how to fix it other than to do things. And Jake and I were talking about this before the guest, other than to do things like this, which is talk about it. We have to start talking about it on some kind of real level as a country, as a neighbor, as a, a concerned citizen, as a, a voter, as, as all these things that all of us are, we need to start talking about this with everyone you can. And don't take offense when somebody has a different point of view than you because people are going to. And we can't get to the heart of these things unless we are able to disagree with each other civilly and, and figure some of this out because I think there are answers for this. I think we can fix it. It's not – it's not unfixable. I just don't know how we get here from our current location. Well, it, it even part of the whole starting to listen to what other people have to say and not necessarily prejudging and only hearing the part that you want to. We talked about this very briefly on another cast that we did, and I'll bring it and bring it up here. Um, you've laughed at me before because I do like to watch some of the political shows. And uh, a lot of them these days are tend to be a little bit left to center. Uh, like I, I really do enjoy watching Bill Maher. Uh, and Jon Stewart has a new show that he's starting, and the show is called The Problem. And his last show was called The Problem with Guns. And if you've listened to Sean and I before, you know that both of us are Second Amendment supporters, without question. And I went into the show assuming that I was going to hate everything that anybody had to say. And I found out that even as somebody who supports the Second Amendment and is a collector of firearms, I could not disagree with a thing that these people had to say. And all it came down to was about uh, actually taking the time to enforce the existing laws that we have and how you could cut gun violence by 60% simply not by creating a new law, not by repealing the Second Amendment, by simply actually taking the time to enforce the existing laws. 
and I couldn't argue with that. And it, but at the same time, I could also see somebody out there with their uh, running to a riot with their AR-15 strapped to their back, saying that all of this was evil and wrong. And you know, obviously, John Stewart should be dragged out in the into the front yard and tarred and feathered. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean, you're touching on on one of the most um, charged topics as far as 2A goes other than the uh state of new york versus supreme court uh right now with their uh shall issue license issues and all that kind of thing other than that it's been because the one that the 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 mainstream media has been covering has been the kenosha stuff and, and and I and and here's the part about this is I actually sat down and looked at some information that came directly from the trial itself, and what became very very apparent was I don't care which side of the situation that you're on, whichever side of the media that you were on, you have no clue what actually happened, and. Not only do you have no clue what actually happened, but you also have no clue as to where things were. Either if you're on one side of it, he's either a hero, which he's not. He's a 17-year-old idiot or 18-year-old idiot now. Or if you're on the other side, he was a white supremacist out there trying to kill black people. And And that's actually a direct quote. That's not just me being, you know... Hyperbolic or anything of that nature. That is, is a direct, direct quote from quote. MSNBC, by the way. Yes. Uh, who, and yeah. who, MSNBC, who actually got so bad at this, the judge actually barred them from the courtroom. Well, yeah, they were caught chasing the freaking bus trying to intimidate jurors or whatever they were doing. And look, MSNBC is slowly losing their minds. Uh, they are. I really thought CNN was the worst. Um, CNN and Fox were kind of in a neck and neck race for to the bottom, and then MSNBC just shot to the bottom in the last like year, uh, since basically since Biden's election, MSNBC has shot to the bottom, and I I don't understand how anybody can look at the coverage that they're doing and call it news or well, it, even pretend to be impartial uh, honestly not. because the people that they've got left are not expecting impartiality i mean do, well, do, I, think think of your the average person that you that you can think of that probably watches and really just loves msnbc if rachel maddow was to come out and go maybe this kid ain't so bad <laughs> do you do, do you see this happening no of course not i mean it's the and and honestly nobody's covered it well. Fox is like this is a victory. It's not a victory. Um, well, it, CNN was like this is a murderer, and MSNBC says he's a serial killer. So I mean, it's like all of the, none of them are right. And I don't know, and I probably don't want to know what the White House's official position because I know what's her crap. The lying redhead who's his spokesperson. Um, was saying i know she was like oh we don't have a statement right now i'm sure that they've released one by now that was a couple of days ago but i had other things to do because i i have a life and i'm saying um yeah i'm I'm not and i don't i don't i I don't want to know almost you know but but the thing about it is is you can be for or against 
2A. Now, 2A is a right that is written into the Constitution, and it's a right Americans have. And we've pushed – the media has pushed the, the narrative so far left that when the, the, the 2A is actually enforced as a constitutional right, they think it's a, a push far to the right. It's not. However, um, that said, I do think that the trial ended – with the correct verdicts with the charges that were left in there. If you'd have left some of those other charges in there, like did he break curfew? Did he punch a gun or, you know, carry a gun across state line? Now, across state lines, is, actually, it sounds like he's traveling actually, forever. Actually, he didn't. Yeah, well, it doesn't really matter. Did, did he do some of those things? Probably. Did those get left in the trial? No, they didn't. Should he have been there? Shit, no. You had no business being there. <laughs> it was I, a bad idea from the get-go. I, he, was he guilty of first-degree murder, which is what they charged him with? I mean, no. there, there's no question of so. the son. There's no question of the son that he was not guilty of first-degree murder. I personally think that the reason why they were deliberating for as long as they were, it had to do with them recognizing the fact that He's not guilty of first-degree murder, but he's guilty of being there when he shouldn't. That they that if they think if they could have given him a lesser charge uh, just for being a dumbass who didn't belong there, yeah, they, think, they'd have tagged him with that. They'd have tagged him with that. But the, the, but for what the charges that the uh, you know uh, I have my list of idiocies that went on and the idiocies that the prosecution charged him with. Um, they, they didn't really have a choice in the matter because that's not what happened. Not only is it not what happened, it's it, it, it's it, so stupid. And well, see the, the the part that's bothering me is with this is is I would have liked to have seen him get tagged with something. Because right now what you've got is a bunch of other dumbasses out there thinking that they can go do the same shit and get away with it. Well, I, in, in, uh, at a certain point, they're right. I mean, they can go and bring a gun to somewhere oh, legally, and, oh, and oh, oh, if somebody attacks them, they can defend themselves. It, it, However, exactly. that's – I mean, well, technically that's what happened. Um. There was a lot of other stuff going on, and he didn't need to be there. It was a bad idea. He was I, 17 years old. You don't go to a riot when you're 17 with a gun. Like, that's dumb. Well, I mentioned this on the on the other cast. I, I've got a daughter who's 17 years old, and as much as I love her at 17 years old, she ain't all there. <laughs> And, and the thing is, is it's not like she's unique or special. She's what's referred to as 17 years old. Yeah, I was a moron up until I was about 24, and I was married at 22. So, so all right. So what uh, adult? And there had to have been an adult there somewhere along the line. It was whether he was standing next to an adult, his father was somewhere, his mother was. I suppose. I mean, I know at one point they said the the narrative was that his mother had driven him there, and that's turned out to be inaccurate. But somewhere along the line, an adult looked at him and went, "Sure, go ahead." <laughs> really? 
really? You're going to send a 17-year-old who probably doesn't know his ass from an elbow into a situation like that with an AR-15 strapped to his chest? That, that's, that's, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Anybody with any sense stays the hell away from a riot, protest, whatever the hell you want to say, with any kind of... Now, and and this is, is part of the thing that, that technically, I guess, it wasn't against the law, but it is actually true, and it's something that did happen, that the defense tried to latch onto it, but they didn't know how to do it because they had no legal grounds for it, is... When you bring an AR-15 into a charge situation and let people see it, you are escalating the situation. Whether you say so or not, and I know a lot of guys are getting really pissed off about that right now, and especially around here in Texas when I say something like that. I'm like, look, if the kid didn't have an AR-15 strapped to his chest, they'd have ran right by him. The fact is he did. And they saw it, and he was facing the wrong way, and he was doing the wrong things, and it did escalate the situation. Now, was that right? No, probably not. They shouldn't have reacted that way just because he had a gun. Well, However, okay. going going back to my accounting of different idiocies that went on here, if you're chasing a, a kid who's carrying a semi-automatic rifle screaming, I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. He's going to shoot you. If you then try to beat the shit out of him with a skateboard, you're going to get shot. Yeah. If you pull your own firearm on him, he's going to probably shoot at you, too. Yeah, that whole thing is is an escalation. And both sides are escalating. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I just uh, as, as I as I've said, there are so many levels of idiocy here. Let me count the ways. It was just a it was just a perfect storm of idiocy, and I none of it should have happened. You know, none of them should have been there. Like, don't go to a riot. Like, it, couldn't we find more constructive way? And that's and this is part of the problem, right? We are at such a point right now. That government and officials and uh, authority and all that have not listened and let it get so far that large amounts of people in places in the country feel that there is no other alternative other than to take to the streets because you're pissed off. This is a failing on a massive level that we are not addressing. And the media and and the the elite class is doing a masterful job of taking the focus, the blame, and the root causes and shuffling them back on us. Like, this is obviously your fault. You guys are rioting. Of course this bad stuff happens. If you just listen to us, it would be fine. And it, it, and nobody's focusing and putting the finger or the blame where it actually belongs. Now, of course, well, these people need to be ca- accountable for their own actions. Yes, of course so. But but even then, when you start talking about this, you're just talking about shuffling blame. I mean, and once again, I'm not being I'm not t- using hyperbole here when I say what I'm about to say. These are this is a direct quote the, of people on MSNBC going so far as to say that uh, the, the fact that he was acquitted. 
shows that people are okay with white supremacy. Oh, yeah. Oh, clearly. They did the same thing when the governor lost, when their governor lost in, what was it, Virginia or whatever? And my point is is that even even if in the process of race and and all of this wonderful stuff, you, you believe in the idea of... That that white supremacy is an issue, and I'm not. So I'm not even going to discount that. Going there here does nothing more than muddle that issue because it has nothing to do with it. Oh, it's a masterful job of sleight of hand. It's a it's it's a masterful job. I I am my hat is off to whatever spin doctors are are in charge of this stuff because most of the public. I would I would say a large majority have completely lost sight of the actual issues. It's masterfully done. Don't get me wrong. I, it's impressive to watch somebody at the top of their craft going, you know what? I can take the entire blame and shift it completely away from this. Watch this. Masterfully done. The problem is everyone loves a train wreck. The problem is it's our train. We're on it, okay? <laughs> They're wrecking the train we're all on. You ever seen Snowpiercer? Okay. They're going to wreck the train. Oh. Okay, that's the whole point. And then, um, and then to take it one step further, okay? You've got Republican dumbasses who are offering this kid internships uh, in, on in the House of Representatives. I, I... Okay, no, no, it gets better because the other side had a wonderful response to this, which was Cori Bush, of all people, saying that she would feel unsafe with him being in the building, that she is feeling more and more like she is going to be attacked if they're going to bring a violent young man like this into the building. It's not like he's coming into the building with his AR-15, <laughs> And this is why, like, like, I, I don't, I, I don't know how we get away from this. The only thing I can think of, because it, it's so laughable, it's so laughable when you look at it, how the the capital and and the elite class are responding to this. They're like, <laughs> turn the hot plate up, make the chicken dance. This is what they're doing, and people are buying this. That's the pro- that's the mind-blowing thing for me. People are buying this. They're buying this hook, line, and sinker. They'll listen to the media or or a statement from those idiots up on Capitol Hill, and they'll on either side. I don't care which side, like the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, both of them are out for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. I know many Democrats. I know many Republicans. I have no problem with them. I have no problem with the political views that they hold, some of which I agree with, some of which, would, some of which I don't, on either side. And I have no problem talking to either one of them, and we all have very civil, very nice conversations uh, to try and, and kind of organize our views on things. I have no problem with people who feel or believe differently than I do. What I have a problem with is the established parties that have set themselves up in permanent rule of us laughing in our face while they take all our money and strip all our rights. That's a problem for me, and I, you, I don't understand how people don't see it. 
you, you know you know what I miss in this world? Debate. Oh yeah, like real debate. I, no, I and and the, the example I go back to is 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 when I was twenty uh, some years ago, I actually dated a a young lady from a very very religious family. Her father and I, being the fact that I am about as far from religious as they come, in fact, I jokingly refer to myself as the worst Jew on the face of the earth. Um, he and I used to have philosophical debates, agreeing on nothing all the time, but it was friendly. I mean, at the end of the day, neither one of us convinced the other one of anything, but it was friendly. It was intelligent. Even if you didn't agree with the the conclusions of it, you at least had to agree with the points that were made. I miss that. I I don't think most people are capable of that right well, now. Right, because right now it, it's not you're not going to get past it. Somebody's going to make a point that you don't agree with, and you're going to hate their guts. Or even, God forbid, they're going to make a point that you have to agree with, and you're going to hate their guts even more for that. You know, one of one of my I have a, a and you know what it, weird coincidence I guess, but one of uh, my favorite uh, who was a uh, also a girlfriend's father, and uh, he was he was a super cool guy. He was he was also a, a Jewish man, and he was um, he said. And he said this, and he really meant it. Like, he really believed it. She was um, studying to – I guess there's a thing you have to – and I'm not really good on the Jewish faith, but there's a thing you have to do to to become a full Jew, and you have to pick this thing and argue about it and kind of deliver your, your thesis to the, to the other members of the Jewish community. And I, th- I think that's a little bit more orthodox than I was raised. Yeah, well, that's kind of how they then were. Again, then again, the moment I was bar mitzvahed, I kind of went, I'm out. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Deuces. Uh, yeah, that was first communion for me in Catholicism. They kind of asked me not to do that anymore. Or maybe it was reconciliation. I can't remember. It was, it was before confirmation. Uh, anyway, um, she was kind of studying to, to get her thing and, and you know figure this out. And uh, I used to love talking with this guy because it was always very good natured and he'd say you're a catholic let's talk about this and i'm like oh god you know how this is gonna go and he'd say you know this and this and this and i'd argue about the things that uh you know i thought were wrong with the catholic church and he'd be like ah but and then he defended and then we just walk around in circles where i was defending i was attacking i was defending i was attacking and we'd walk around these subjects and everything like that it was a fascinating thing and uh, it, it, I would always like wait and just like chew on these things all week, so that I could come back and like try and pin him down with this point I had thought of, right? And it was super cool, like you're saying. And then there's people who use debate like a weapon to trap you. And I used to be on a podcast with somebody like that, and he did debate when he was in high school, and he loved to to drop logic traps on you. And try and force you into a corner so that you would either have to agree with them or sound like an idiot. And that's how mostly how people use debate today. And I don't like it's not about the exchange of ideas and the trying to get somebody to see your point. It's trying to trap somebody into a into a fallacy so that you can seem smarter. 
that's way more prevalent than actually trying to to exchange ideas. Well, and the, the, I guess I, the, the other part that I that I loved about it was learning something. Well, yeah, that's the part. I mean, that's part of debate because you're learning to look at something from somebody else's point of view. Because if you're actually debating, you first have to understand what you're arguing against and form coherent thoughts about that and go, why don't I think that? I don't think that because of this. What supports that? Okay, these things support it. And then they'll point out, as is their job, the weak points of your stance. And then you have to think about it more and understand or or move off of that position. Wow, those are really good points. I think that's pretty valid. Maybe I don't think that. Uh, or maybe I shouldn't think that because of these reasons. This is all very valid, and that's why we're powerful as a species, because we can learn. What we're doing now as a nation is not learning. It is retreating to the lowest common denominator and giving in to tribalism, superiority complexes, inferiority complex, and victimism. Actually, I think the the term I heard recently, which I thought was just fascinating of a way to put it, is it's a race to the bottom of the brainstem. Well, pretty close. Um, I, I I don't understand why we've chosen this uh, when I, I truly think we're better than this. I do. I think we're better than this, and I think we can do better. Well, But before uh, that has to happen, I think we need to – we're missing two things, two big things uh, right now. One is a true and uncorruptible leader with a vision – that will take us forward. We we have neither one of those two things. We neither have a good leader, uh, a, a true, honest leader, and we have no vision to take us forward. Without those two things, we are lost. Uh, yes, and I think the problem is is that we are in such a vicious cycle that I don't think that that person could be heard. Well, that's the problem, right? The, the, when, you, when you look at, at how people communicate now, it's so fractious. And anyone who tells you social media is your friend is either a liar or an idiot. Right? It, One it, of those two. And the funny thing is, is that as much as people want to refer to the people who run – and uh, push social media as being specifically evil. They're not. They're for. They're following their function. You know, every everything has a function of trying to grow and become more of what it is, and that's what social media is doing. Unfortunately, the easiest and quickest way for it to do so is by uh, basically approaching, pushing, and stimulating the lizard brain. Well, uh, honestly, I think there's an easier way to say that. It's preying on human weakness is really what it's doing. And I I just don't see us breaking out of that anytime soon. And we're we're in it so hard and it's so I mean, you remember life before social media? Yeah. It was That's very back different. when I could debate somebody. Right. You can't do that now. 
uh, it's it's almost impossible. I mean, I I personally got off of Facebook once I realized that that people whom I liked, I was stopping to stopping liking them because I could because I saw their Facebooks. What's funny is I'm almost completely off of most interactive social media. I have some social media I I use and watch. Um, most of them involve scantily clad women, but that's you know <laughs> neither here nor there. That's on another podcast, and I understand that. Uh, but I like socially, like I I hardly ever log into Facebook, and my life is better. For, I found out when I stopped logging into Twitter and Facebook. And and a lot of these other ones. Now, Jake and I have some that we send back and forth and everything like that. But it's very targeted. And it's very um, limited in scope. And we pretty much know what each other like or will like or whatever. And well, we but, try not to. But, you know, but, but most of that is either meant to make one of us trying to make the other one either go, huh, or laugh or, wow, those are nice boobs. Yeah. It's normal. It's pretty much how it goes. We're middle-aged men. That's just how we work. All right. However, I, I I found that the stress that I carried jacked down several orders of magnitude when I stopped checking Twitter, when I stopped checking Facebook, when I stopped checking Snapchat. I deleted Snapchat. I deleted Facebook. Facebook does not exist on my computer or on my phone. I hardly ever check it i i never touch it um twitter i have because i have podcasts but i don't really maintain it or try it or anything like that it's it's required to to you know do some of the things we do i totally get that but i don't ever do anything on my twitter on my personal one really um you know i have an instagram account i have pictures of woodworking <laughs> It. That's all I do. Well, we we throw firearm pictures back and forth at each other. We on. also do that. Yeah, like look at this gun. Is that not the sexiest thing you've ever seen? Look at the porting on that thing. You know, um, it, it's it's just cool. I, but that's it. And I think, and I would really rather if somebody wants to talk to me, talk to me, text me, email me, call me. You know, let's if you want to have a conversation, I am more than happy to have a conversation. I mean, there's thousands of hours of me on the Internet right now having conversations with actual people. I don't mind that at all. I don't think that's the norm, though. I don't think people do that just to talk to people. Um, and and I, I, this I, comes from a freaking recluse. <laughs> I, I heard an analogy that that will actually kind of. I think it kind of hits in with what you're saying right now recently, which was once the media as a whole, whether it's social media or news media, is to real life as porn is to real sex. Mm, that's pretty close. Yeah. That's pretty close. And it's because, you know, it's it's not real communication. It's not real intimacy. It's not real... Uh, humanity. Yeah, it's it's stylized, um, and and a lot of times fictionalized, uh, much like porn is, uh, to the point where it no longer resembles a real human interaction, and that's really kind of what we're stuck with. Which what's really sad to me is how many people don't know that. 
And that's how we get in some of the situations we get into as a society. And I, I, at this point, and I've said this many times, I don't know how to fix that, really. I said, uh, you know, and I, I've said that many times, and I, it's really true. I don't know how to fix it, and I, and I really hope there's somebody out there who goes, this is the way. Here, look at this. We could do this and move forward. And I know that there's somebody somewhere. I don't know what it is. I don't know who they are. Somebody somewhere's got an answer. And I well, just I, – I think if I just keep hunting for it, the, I'll trip across it, you know? Well, here, here's the thing, and here's the closest thing to an answer that I've heard recently. And we, we talked about it very briefly before the cast, which is what we're doing right now. And I don't just even mean you and me talking to each other, but even just the entire framework and functionality of the podcasting world. You've said it to me before, and it never really got as clear to me until we started in on this concept of conversation, which is this is the last bastion of free communication. I truly believe that. I really do. Uh, I, Podcasting I, is, is the last. There is no gatekeeper, which as soon as there is, they'll start to lock it down. So this is this is kind of the last place in which you can actually go out and hear free ideas. Uh, you, and I'm not suggesting that every idea you're going to hear, you're going to like, agree with. Uh, hell, you can probably think something's the dumbest or most evil, horrifying concept you've ever heard. But once again, these are all things coming freely from human communication and human mind versus the unreality that is the media today. And it's funny, like you've heard me say that for almost a couple of years now, um, both on this cast and others. And, 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 it, and it's one of those things where it's kind of like it's uh, never clicked for you. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, it, it, it we, we, you've, we've said similar things before is I've heard the words, I knew what they meant, but it never really sunk into my bones until now. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's really kind of coming clear to me that this is the last place that you can go for free ideas it, it doesn't really matter what it is you know the what i look at it as and i know this is a bad, it's a bad analogy um but in in term in the terminator series when the guys go below ground and there's the dog at the door you know and the guys are just coming in with just dust and bones and blood all over them and everything and they sit down and in the future war and they're sitting there and you realize you, you know, they look around and it's the last gasp of humanity being free. You have people taking care of each other and you have people talking and conversing and, and kids being kids and stuff like that. That's the last bastion of humanity in the Terminator series. I look at podcasting as that it is, the last place that you can go and express your ideas freely without a corporate overlord, without a script, without political pressure, without any of that stuff, and just be. It is one of the very last mediums that allow you to do that. And, uh, you know, in long form, you know, you're, you look at TikToks and it's like, here's 15 seconds of a girl dancing in a bedroom. You know, like it's not. Like that's not it, or, or things set to the same for you know free music clips or whatever. Um, it, it's it's not that. It's a long form, free flowing 
stream of consciousness discussion, and there just aren't that many places you can do that. And if you're any good at it and produce an audience, mainstream media tries to swap that down. Uh, but still, it's one of the last places you can go and pay your money and say your, you know, say your piece of mind, or you know, say say your mind, speak your mind. And I've always appreciated that about it. I really have. Ever since it beca- I became a podcaster in God oh six, it is one of the only places that you could do that. And I've always appreciated it. So thank you, both of you, for listening. <laughs> Hell, we only have two, like, flat-out confirmed listeners. I mean, I know they say that there's several downloads coming, but the, there's only two people that I know for a fact are listening. Which is even scarier, because that means the rest of the people, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know who they are. They've stumbled across it and keep listening for some strange reason. <laughs> And, and every time I look at the stats, and I just this is this is one of the funniest things. Who I've are heard. you people? No, <laughs> we still have that one download from Finland. <laughs> I swear it's got to be a bot. It's got to be like somebody's running a relay, or it's like a bot for a search engine or something. I don't know. I, I I still think it's somebody who basically looked at the the title and went, "Oh, this is for men's grooming products." They listen every episode. The boobs are coming. They got to be coming. It's in the logo. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else to add to this bright and cheery conversation of ours this evening? <laughs> Free your mind and your ass will follow. Uh, yeah, just just talk to people. Talk to people and um, well, I, it actually try t- not to be. Take Take that even a step further. Not just talk to people. Listen to people. You don't have to There's agree with what the, you don't. You don't have to agree with what they're saying. You don't. It, it, you can walk away from it. You can believe how many times a day I walk away from somebody going, "Well, there's another idiot." Uh, Truly, that, try and listen to people who yeah, disagree it, with you. Exactly. You learn something. Or yeah, it's, some, a, it's, a, some, it's a tough one. Sometimes you learn something. <laughs> sometimes you learn they're an idiot, but but you try 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 and learn. Other than that, no, I'm good. Well, then I'm going to wish everyone a wonderful evening, and hopefully the world is still here next week for us to do another cast. Woohoo! We were going to do this two weeks ago, but the two weeks ago, uh, I read an article that blew my mind and decided to supplant the uh, email for that. And last week, Sean decided that his children were more important than all of you. A little bit. (laughs) 